0: Sean Morash time on CBS Sports Radio.
1: Squeal away, everybody. It is the Pork Store. It is the Sean Morash Show on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks, Damon Linda, Laura for making that Pork Store open and having some fun with it. Just real quickly, behind the Pork Store, the DA show is the mothership, right? If you listen to CBS Sports Radio, 9 a.m. until noon, Eastern Monday through Friday, that is where you can hear me alongside DA. And uh, we call that the mothership. Everybody boards the mothership or whatever. So when we were coming about me doing my own show on the weekends, it kind of became a funny bit on the DA show. Well, What what should we call it? Well, me loving all the food and all my hamming takes. We came up with the Pork Store. So it's the Sean Moran Show and inside it's the Pork Store. That's a little special open DA put together. Pretty funny. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quick and Loan Studios. Millions of Americans financed the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. Okay. Deep breaths, we can move on from serious topics and start having fun with real sports again and not get into the surrounding parts of Army-Navy. Look, Vic Fangio had some interesting thoughts, Denver Broncos head coach this week, on what is a very spicy meatball of a topic in the sports world, and that is uh, this year's NFC East. And the idea that you are going to have, in all likelihood, as the Cowboys sit with seven losses, the Eagles sit with seven losses, you will have a team with a 9-7 and at best, but likely 8-8 and or 7-9 record win the NFC East. And this will cause a team, right now it seems likely to be the Seattle Seahawks, to go on the road despite winning 12 or 13 games and go play at Dallas versus a team they were 6 or 7 games better than in the regular season. And people are freaking out about it. Saying this is ridiculous, we need to rethink how we do things, the team should not be rewarded for having a mediocre season and hosting a playoff game, and is that the other thing? Now, I am going to do the typical thing I do here where I, I like to think I could see both sides of a story. If you listened to the last hour, I think you hopefully got that feel. Yes, the Seattle Seahawks are having a better year than the Dallas Cowboys or Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, in theory, the win total by the Seattle Seahawks should warrant, should, a home playoff game. But they did not win their division. They were not the best team in their division, and they played a schedule similar to every team in their division. I think that we're overreacting a lot if you're looking to shake up the way the NFL format is in the playoff format and who gets home playoff games and who doesn't. This is going to happen this year with the NFC East. It happened a couple of seasons ago with the Carolina Panthers, who were 7-8-1, playing the Arizona Cardinals. And the Carolina Panthers won that game. Now, they won that game because I believe it was a a Ryan Lindley. I think it was a Ryan Lindley that started a quarterback for the Cardinals in that game because Carson Palmer had gotten hurt. If not, maybe Lindley got hurt and it was somebody else, a third-string quarterback, like a John Skelton or something. But I think it was Lindley. And the Carolina Panthers won that game in advance before getting bounced. And obviously we remember the beast quake game when the seven and nine Seahawks, ironically the Seahawks, hosted the Saints back in, I guess that was 2010, 2009, it was 2010. And the Saints were eliminated after going all the way up to Seattle and playing on the road despite the Saints having a monster record, but not winning their division. So I have just rattled off twice in the last 10 years, maybe longer and now a third time that's potentially going to happen. If this is happening three out of ten years, that means seven of the ten were basically getting it right where a team goes above five hundred, wins their division, and earns their way to a playoff game. I would say batting seven hundred is pretty damn good, wouldn't you? The playoff format, the way it's built, and the way the divisions have been separated by four divisions in each conference with two wild cards, to me has been pretty perfect, okay? Because rarely does a bad team make the playoffs. Rarely, as I just pointed out. And the idea and why you should be rewarded is because of the way the schedule balances out. There's only so much leeway you can have with an NFL schedule when you play 16 games. And I go to what your thoughts on this at 855-212-4227 on if the NFL playoff format is broken. There's only so much leeway you have. So the idea that you're going to play everybody in your division twice and that makes up six of your 16 games and then your entire division is going to play the same out-of-conference division, the same in-conference division, and the only thing that separates you from the rest of the teams in your division are two opponents, the opponents from the other divisions in your conference. Two. It's not like the old days where it's strength of schedules. Two games make all the difference in your schedule. That is why you should be rewarded because of the way the schedule shakes out. You are going to play essentially the same schedule as the rest of your division. Essentially. The team who makes out with the best record of you four teams playing that schedule should be rewarded with a division title and a home playoff game. That's it. Plain and simple. The Seattle Seahawks are not playing the same schedule as the Dallas Cowboys. Now, they might have more wins, and they might have had bigger wins. I get it. I get it. The Dallas Cowboys haven't beaten anybody good, and they're going to end up with a home playoff game if they make the playoffs. I understand that. But they are battling first within the other teams in their division. It is how you balance this out. You will play your division, and you will battle out that. And then the divisions match up with other divisions, and that's how the playoffs work, and that's how the format is. Suddenly changing the rules on the fly, why even have a division then? To institute playing rivalry games? The idea is to play your way out of the division and represent your division in the postseason. And on once every four years, if that results in a very mediocre to poor football team getting in and getting a home playoff game, so be it. You're the Seattle Seahawks, you're so good. It's not like Jerry World is just rocking home field advantage. Go to to Dallas. Go to Philly. Go win a football game. The other two teams that didn't do this, ironically, the Saints in Seattle couldn't do it. The Cardinals, yeah, granted, they had a bad quarterback situation. Good dude in Carolina. Go do it. You're a great team. Go win the game on the road. Stop complaining that you should have a home playoff game. You had a chance to win your division playing the same schedule that the 49ers did, that the Rams did, that the Cardinals did for all intents and purposes, and you are going to fail to win your division. I don't want to hear that now you deserve a playoff game. You know what? Life isn't fair. This system is not broke. The system is the system, and on an occasional year, things are going to be goofy, and that's exactly what's happening. And oh, by the way, we are steamrolling towards a 17-game regular season in the NFL, and with it, likely seven, or dare I say eight, playoff teams are coming. Hopefully seven, where the number one seed still gets a bye. I think that would be the most fair. How many 11 10-win teams miss the playoffs annually? Maybe one a year? Well, that team will be taken care of by playoff expansion. Just, it's 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 headed that way. It is what it is. Eight teams might be a little much because then you might get two mediocre teams in the playoffs. But we are heading towards a, uh, an area where bad teams aren't going to get left out. You're going to have your chance to go play, and if it's on the road, so be it. Stop trying to fix what isn't broke. Yes, the Cowboys stink, the Eagles stink. If they stink so bad, then them having a home playoff game shouldn't affect you. You should be able to go on the road and win the game because you're a better team. Stop it with wanting to change the format. So Vic Fangio, the Denver Broncos head coach, came out this week, and he had a radical idea that he said nobody's ever talked about, and nobody puts it on a table, and I think it's one of the dumbest ideas I've ever had. Vic Fangio wants to eliminate conferences or divisions, and he wants to go 16 teams in each conference like we have, and you play everybody in your conference once, making up your 15 games, And then for your other game, you get a natural out-of-conference rivalry. Giants, Jets, Cowboys, Texans, blah, blah, blah. And Eagles, Steelers. By the way, you're going to get to a point where you're not going to have one. I mean, who the heck is the Seattle Seahawks' natural rival going to be? The Raiders? When they're in Vegas? It makes no sense. But that's what Vic Fangio wants to do. This isn't college football. The NFL is not the Big 12, no matter how many Cliff Kingsburys we hire. And the other problem with that will be What happens on the off year where you're a playoff team, you're a fringe playoff team that in a regular year you might be 8-8 and and maybe winning your division, but you end up getting the six best teams in the conference all for home games and everybody else around your level on the road and you happen to back your way into two home wins you otherwise wouldn't have happened, had versus those teams, and now you're a 10-win team. Well, the record will indicate that you deserve to make the playoffs to 10-6, and six, but really because of the way the new schedule lays out that Vic Fangio wants, you're more like that 8-18 eight and eight team we were complaining about, even if the record doesn't say so. Also, rivalries are good in sports. The idea of playing your divisions twice is awesome. It's awesome. The NFC stinks. Guess what? Giants-Cowboys, Eagles-Cowboys, Cowboys-Redskins... Eagles-Giants, those are still fun games. 49ers and Seahawks twice a year is awesome. Raven-Steelers twice a year, fantastic. Can't get enough of the Broncos and Chiefs twice a year. Let's not try, stop eliminating that and having them play once a year and then maybe your fan base doesn't even get to see their rival in their building because it depends where you're playing any given year. Vic Fangio's idea is ridiculous. And the idea that we need to shape and reshape the entire NFL format is nonsense. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227, is brought to you by GEICO. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Adam is in Salt Lake City. Adam, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Thanks for taking my call, Meraz. Appreciate it, Adam. What's going on, man? Uh, Nothing. I mean, I agree with you. There's nothing wrong with the playoff seating as it is now. I mean, you either win your division or you're the road team. Right. That's it. You... The, the Seahawks, if they go on the road and they have to play a role playoff game, it'll be because against the same schedule, Sans two games, they were not better than the San Francisco 49ers. That's it. Yeah. And if you're a twelve win team, then you should have no problem beating that. Eight, That's eight it. or seven That's and nine it. team. That's it. And the problem is some of these teams have gone on the road and they've lost. And but you know what? Again, then maybe you weren't worthy enough and not as good as we thought you were. And if, it can also Oh, sorry. No, I was gonna say we're gonna call the Cowboys and Eagles bad teams, and the Seahawks should have no problem going on the road and beating them. That's it. I don't want to hear excuses. The game was at home. When was the last time yeah. you saw the Cowboys really have a true home field advantage? Jerry Jones built an amusement park.
0: Yeah, basically the best team wins every round in the playoffs, no matter what their record is. That's I mean, it. So look what happened! Look what happened to the twenty eleven Packers.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fifteen and one, they fall flat on flat the face. Thanks for the call, Adam. Just people. This is the hot-button issue because the Cowboys and Eagles think that we've got to reshape the whole NFL playoff format. It's not broke, folks. It's simple. There's no even way to make a 16-game NFL schedule. So the best way is to boil it down to your group of four teams, and you be the best of those group of four teams, you're going to get your home playoff game, and then you fight it out from there. That's it. It's plain and simple. So this is the Sean Moran Show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll take your calls on that issue at 855-212-4227. The number again is 855 212 4 cbs and your tweets, at M R A Z CBS. We tried this last week with the James Graceffa, who I think is still out in Manhattan, somewhere on a bar stool. Ben Horowitz will be back next. I, I gave you my Irishman review, and it spawned the idea that it was two weeks too late to give that review. Let's do the segment, two weeks too late, where I comment on something you guys were all talking about two weeks ago, and now I have an opinion. Or at least I have questions that I still don't understand from something that happened two weeks ago. We're going to try to do this next again. Two weeks too late. Next, it's the Sean Moraes Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Sean Morash on CBS Sports Radio. It is the Sean Moraes Show on CBS Sports Radio. SFH tweets in, at Moraes, CBS, M-R-A-Z, CBS, Pork Eater. Am I a pork eater? (laughs) I don't know if that's... I mean, you are, I don't, I don't know if that's where we go with the pork show. Pork Eater, that's what it refers to me. Your call screener, Ben, from Jersey is awesome. Great show. How about this guy? Guy calling in from Ben's town in New Jersey, but he's listening to the score in Chicago.
0: Same high school. Mind you, 15 years apart, but same high school.
1: Listening to the score in Chicago. Unbelievable. JC tweets in, you also forget that the Bears and Rams could win 10 games and 8-8 and Dallas or Philly team could make the playoffs. It's not fair to those teams. Some of those coordinators off the Bears and Rams could be fired because they don't make the playoffs when they should. Again, yes. Do I think that the Bears have to beat the Cowboys, or if the Rams beat the Cowboys later, prove that they are better teams that – maybe we're more worthy of a postseason spot? Yeah, I agree. I, I do agree with that. However, they didn't play the same schedule. The Cowboys played the same schedule that the Giants, Redskins, and Eagles did. It was a weird year. And maybe they end up with the best record of that. And again, the point of playoff expansion, JC, like I was just mentioning, is if you get to a seven-team playoff, which seems inevitable right now, you're going to take care of that. There is not really going to be a worthy team that misses the playoffs if you go to seven teams. So we're on track to do that. And frankly, if you're the Bears or the Rams, maybe the Rams, you don't lose to the Bucs earlier in the year at home. You want to make the playoffs. Don't blame this on the Cowboys or Eagles. If you're the Bears, how many bad games did you play this year that you should have won? Stop. Stop making excuses. All right. Trying something new here. We did it last week. The time is again. It's time for two weeks too late on the Sean Moraes show. All right. Get the elevator music up here. Ben Horowitz, last week I reviewed The Irishman about two weeks too late. This week I have some thoughts on some things going on about two weeks too late. Have we seen this Peloton ad (laughs) everybody seemed to talk about (laughs) just, just two weeks ago? So I finally, finally saw the Peloton ad today. I finally went online and I watched it. And let me just start off by saying the girl's face, hysterical. Now... The main bit, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Ben Horowitz, the main problem people had with this ad, and I could be completely wrong here because I'm two weeks too late to the party, is that they believe that they are fat shaming a perfectly thin woman and giving her a Peloton for Christmas and that maybe this is body shaming in general? Am I getting the gist of this? I'm pretty sure there was an issue with the face she made.
0: That people thought she looked like she was being taken hostage. Right. Okay. That this is wrong. That a man shouldn't be
1: treating a woman this way, yes. making her exercise yes. and stuff like that. Okay. Now, here's my thought on this. Much like the complaints about the NFC, stop it. All right. Look, she made a goofy face, a funny face that's become a meme. Also, a Peloton is a company. It's a great sponsor. It's a good company. It's a good product. It is holiday time. They are a company trying to sell. How is an exercise equipment company supposed to sell anything and not make it seem like you're body shaming or forcing people to work out, which can be taken as How are you supposed to sell something that's exercise equipment and not come across that way? Also, also, just because you're thin doesn't mean you can't still work out and stay healthy. And just because you're thin doesn't mean a heavy person can't get that bike also and not feel like they can eventually look like the thin person. This is just another example of people looking to complain about something. This isn't a man trying to empower or hold power over a woman. It's a good product where they just want to buy a nice gift. I'm sorry the guy couldn't afford the car with the bow on top. I think it's a little, it's a little ridiculous, Ben. We're all bent out of shape over his I, head
0: two I, weeks ago. I think so, but maybe this is a little projection out of you. Maybe you feel like you should be getting on a Peloton type no, of deal.
1: No, no, no. You know what? I actually, I'm the opposite of this, okay? I love working out and going to the gym now. It may not show. Uh, I don't feel right unless I work out. I work out like five times a week. Again, it they may, may not show. It may not show because my diet's horrendous. But my wife, I would argue, there are times I'm going to the gym and she's, like, angry I'm going because she thinks I'm not home enough and I should be home. And then I get frustrated because I just want to feel good. Now, maybe I should put down the pint of ice cream at night. That and could I- help. I can help, but there's something get my blood flow and working out. So I'm the opposite. So you're I, getting reverse fashion. Right. If my wife got me a Peloton and I opened that on Christmas morning and I made that face, I'd be doing it as a joke. I'd love the gift. There would be no body shaming here if there was any uh, you know, power holdover. Okay, that was number one on two weeks. So you guys were all talking about this two weeks ago. I, I finally saw the ad and I had a uh, conversation. Now, two weeks ago, these memes started with the baby Yoda, okay? Have you seen the memes on the Instagram?
0: Yeah, but I'm clueless. I, clueless. I, I've never seen a second of Star Wars.
1: I think. Oh, okay. Well, it's, apparently it's not from Star Wars. McKeon, are you hip to this? Uh, the the baby Yoda. Yeah, it's from the Mandalorian. Okay, so the Mandalorian, from what I gather, is a show on
2: Disney Plus. Okay. That can cool. we? He just asked me if Yoda's from Star Wars or not. It yes. made me. How a you question. be that? You said no. How it's could not. you be that lost? No. Well, this thing is
1: from the show, which gotcha. I guess has something okay. to do with Star Wars. But
2: how could you be that lost to not know where Yoda? Right. From?
1: And I've never seen Star Wars once. Never saw. Me either. Any That's why, why I'm at It's not my thing. It's. I, can, I know without watching sci-fi is not my thing. It's a weird. It's not my thing. Get it. Go anyway. Why is every? Why does every? I I know I don't watch the Mandalorian or watch Star Wars. I'm aware Yoda is. Why does anybody think any of these memes are funny? Like the faces, the Yodas. Make. Why? Why are anybody finding these funny? I don't find them funny. And maybe if I watched the show, I would find them funny. But I, it's enough now, right? Two weeks ago, this came out enough.
2: It has nothing to do with Star Wars finding it funny or not. It like It's it's Yoda. We don't know if Yoda is like a, a like a species or the name of the species. People just find it cute. And it started out as something cute, and now the facial expression is something funny that people use as a meme. Gotcha. It's okay. an all-internet-based thing.
1: So it's completely stupid in other nothing words. Nothing to do with the show. Okay. All right. Now, my last two weeks too late of the day, and I want to know if Ben Horowitz is aware of this. Are you Ben, are you all over the Instagram and Twitter? I can't tell. Yeah, I'm all oh, over. Okay. There is something out there with the memes where you're putting a picture of something and you're following it with the caption, I'ma tell my kids this is this, and it's completely not what it is. Yeah, I've been seeing that. Okay, like um, uh, you know, picture of Brian Cashman at the Sonic Garrett, I'ma tell my kids this is Santa Claus. All right. I'm just that's the most recent one. People have been doing this for weeks now. I don't find any one of them funny, and am I missing? Did this start in a show or a movie? How did this start?
0: I think that we both are getting to the point where we're too old for what's hip.
1: Which is ironic, because I spent the last hour telling (laughs) you how much I can relate to a college kid (laughs) and playing a game.
0: Yeah, social media hipness, I think, is a whole separate thing, because I was lost on it, too. I'm like,
1: you could tell your kids that, and you're going to be teaching them wrong. Right, okay, so yeah, I'm going to tell my kids. So that's what I'm saying. I don't get why that's funny. If anybody could tweet at me, at CBS, why the I'ma tell my kids thing is funny. Like, uh, you know, there's a picture of, like, a disheveled man, and it's like, I'ma tell my kids this is a shack. I'm like, why is this funny? Well, you got a kid
0: on, your first kid on the
1: way.
2: Maybe
0: you should start tweeting these out and... Just
2: you know, what to tell him,
0: them you know, throw stuff
1: at the wall and see if something sticks. By the way, I was I figured by four a.m. I'd be getting a call that she was going into labor. I mean, it's basically a foot hanging out at this point. When this birth is going to happen at any minute? But not, I'm not going to tell
2: my kids any of those things that are factually wrong. McKean, do you know where this stems from? The I'ma tell my kids. Yeah, I don't get it either. Did, did you send a lot of middle names? Because I know you were going Giants related. Is, is it Taylor or Mukamara? <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, Taylor my, Manning? My daughter's name will be Taylor Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Oh, not
2: Taylor Lawrence Tynes? No.
1: Well, two things. There's a couple reasons for the Elizabeth. And by the way, I'm glad you had no idea what what I'm going to tell my kids was. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, here. I don't
2: get why we need to do that. Yeah,
1: McKeon's okay. young, so I feel much
0: better about myself. Yeah, I feel
1: better about myself. So it sounds ridiculous. We're going Taylor Elizabeth for the baby's name because Elizabeth is my wife's mother. I guess my mother-in-law's middle name. Her name's Elizabeth. My sister's middle name is Elizabeth. I believe my grandmother's middle name was Elizabeth as well. And also, Elizabeth Taylor, one of the most famous actresses. If the first name is Taylor, Taylor Elizabeth, the inverse. There's a lot of Elizabeth connections. That will be the middle name.
2: I had my money on Taylor Umanyora.
1: No, no,
2: no, no. We discussed
1: Taylor Will tie, but that didn't work out. That didn't work Taylor out. Taylor Shockey? Yeah, and for the record, Taylor isn't just Lawrence Taylor. My middle name, I'm Sean Taylor Morris. For those of you listening who don't know... And have not heard the story in the show where my name came from. I was na- I was born right after the 1986 Super Bowl, the Giants' first Super Bowl. So Lawrence Taylor uh, obviously is in my blood. Now, say what you want to say about Lawrence Taylor the person. I understand that. So I'm not trying to make it seem like I'm naming my daughter after a guy who's been kind of a bad guy. It's just kind of that's what I was named after. My wife loved the middle name. It has Giants ties. My dog name is Eli. Um, my first name's Sean after Sean Landetta, the punter. So I have Giants ties. I was just going to ask that one. And your yeah. dog's after Eli Apple, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and that was two weeks too late. That was two weeks too late here on CBS Sports Radio. Ben Horowitz, you weren't here for two weeks too late last week. What do you think of the bit? Let's grade the bit.
0: I like it, and I also haven't been here in two weeks. So okay. apparently I'm two weeks too late You're to the bit. You're two
1: weeks too late to the bit. But you like the bit. It's a little break from sports. Well, and by the way, sports might be included with this over time. I, I think it's a good play to run.
2: I think so, too. Whereas we're workshopping a production yeah, maybe get meeting a little, yeah, live on the air. Maybe get a little production involved. Yeah. In the pork store. we you know, we're last, two weeks too late. Last week, I actually wasn't a fan of it. I, but I think that maybe had to do with the story quality because I'm liking it this week.
1: You're liking it. That's what I'm, I'm going for. I'm going for things that people were talking about that I'm finally going to discuss.
2: So that's that's the bit. That's the bit. If you like it at
1: CBS, let me know. I'm sure bosses hate it, and I'll hear about it on Monday. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right. We come back. A big Sunday. Of the NFL ahead. Pro football focused to Sam Monson is gonna join us next. It's Sean Morash time on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back inside. It's the Sean Morash show on CBS Sports Radio as we are in the cusp in the midst. Of another big NFL weekend as the weeks just keep ticking by week 15 in the NFL. Sam Monson joins us from Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam with plenty to get into in the world of the NFL. Sam, how are you? Doing good. How about you? Doing well. And I guess let me begin right off the bat here. With well, Lamar Jackson and Mike Vick, I know you've been very active on Twitter. Pro Football Focus has as well in the Lamar Jackson chase for Mike Vick and the comparisons between the two. And it seemed like maybe six weeks ago, many might have been pretty hesitant to call Lamar Jackson better than Mike Vick. And maybe we've reached the point that it's not crazy anymore and actually be crazy to go the other way. Where do you sit on a Lamar Jackson versus Mike Vick stance? And frankly, can Lamar Jackson have the kind of sustained success A more more lengthy sustained success than Mike Vick did, obviously for different reasons for Vick.
3: They've accumulated those yards by very different means. You know, Lamar, most of his rushing yards are designed runs. He's part of that run game where he's a designed ball carrier, you know, as part of that read option look. Almost all Vick's runs were scrambles. You know, he played the game at a time where nobody actually changed their offense to suit the personnel. You know, he was, just, he was drafted number one overall, Knowing that he was just going to get plugged into a conventional conventional NFL offense and asked to run he was running the west coast offense when he when he topped a thousand rushing yards. He was just set back there and asked to be Joe Montana and racked up a thousand yards because he kept scrambling. um so you know we're we're talking about a, one guy who was just plugged into an NFL offense and asked to do it to the best of his abilities. And the other guy who's had this entire system built around him, which maximizes his strengths, minimizes his weaknesses, and really let him flourish into this MVP caliber kind of player we're seeing this year. So I think, you know, right now it looks like all the data says that Lamar Jackson is a better passer right now than Michael Vick ever was, really. Um, and you could make the case that he's a better runner as well. But I just, I, I'm left. With Sad that we never got to see Michael Vick in an offense that was actually built for him.
1: Yeah, there certainly didn't have Greg Roman sitting there building the offense this way. And quarterbacks are going to be a little theme here for us, Sam. Uh, I purposely, before asking this question, did not look up PFF's rankings for the for the following player last week and a couple other weeks. I was relying on my eyes, and oftentimes PFF's rankings disagree with my eye test. And I just find it a little bit crazy that Deshaun Watson gets the accolades he does. And I know he has these really great moments. When he's great, he's great. But I think he disappears in far too many games. And last week was no different in the first half before he rallies back for a big second half. And I'm sure the PFF numbers and the stats will look the part because because Deshaun Watson semi-brought his team back into the game. But do you fall in the category that Deshaun Watson might be a tad bit overrated in that he goes disappearing too much in some of these games?
3: And I don't think it's just Deshaun Watson. I think that entire Houston Texans team is wildly inconsistent right now. And, you know, last week, his Deshaun Watson's grade wasn't particularly good. The week before that against New England, it was the best grade of his season. So, you know, he is bouncing back and forth between being a phenomenal quarterback and being a guy who ha- hasn't got it done. And, you know, I think high-end Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But I think you're right that he is inconsistent, and there are too many games where he just doesn't play well and you know the the offensive line the pass protection there's there's other factors at play here but yeah Deshaun Watson needs to, the thing that he needs to work on is that week to week consistency
1: Sam Monson joining us, Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter, at PFF underscore Sam. Uh, One guy I can't get enough of playing the quarterback position right now, Sam, is Ryan Tannehill. And last week, he became just the second quarterback in NFL history to have a quarterback rating over 130 and a completion percentage over 75%, the other being Aaron Rodgers in his 2011 MVP season. Is Ryan Tannehill just a flash in the pan, or is this really some kind of sustained success that the Titans have found here that maybe they can commit to this guy long term? I think the truth
3: is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, You know, we've seen before that Ryan Tannehill is capable of playing really well. Back in 2013, his second season, you know, we thought for a while that he might be the second best quarterback out of that crazy 2012 draft with Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, RG3. You know, Tannehill was putting it together in year two, and then the wheels just fell off for him in Miami. Injuries, just bad coaching, bad play. Um, The whole thing was a disaster. Tennessee, the situation there this year is much better. They've got receivers, they've got offensive line, he's got a good scheme working for him, everything is set up for him to look good, but he's playing unsustainably well right now. You know, He is the number three graded quarterback in the NFL at the moment. He's got the best percentage of positively graded throws, one of the best, uh, or one of the lowest percentages of negatively graded throws. Basically, every number you look at, he's right there at the top, and you know he isn't that good. So, I think ultimately Tannehill is going to come back down to earth at some point, but it might not happen until the off season. And, you know, Tennessee need to think about how they're going to bring him back. Cause I think he's played so well that you can't let him walk, but it feels like, you know, a franchise tag and make him show it again. And then if he doesn't, then you can start thinking about where his baseline truly lies.
1: Yeah. And I think ironically that that Ryan Tannehill reminds me a lot of when Kerry Collins got to the giants, that kind of re, revitalization project. And I know Collins, Kind of was a victim of his own demons early, but that's what he reminds me of at all. I mean, do you see any Kerry Collins at all in Ryan Tannehill and that kind of renaissance?
3: Uh, I think, yeah, for a, a sort of late career uh, renaissance, I think it's not a bad comparison. Obviously, Tannehill's just got so much more to his game in terms of athleticism as well that, that helps in today's NFL. But, yeah, for a guy who you know had a, a late career surge, I
1: think it's a good, uh, a good comp. Sam Monson joins us, Pro Football Focus. Okay, another young quarterback who is really struggling and really regressing, and it's starting to get to the point where can you even point to past injuries as to why, and that's Carson Wentz in Philly, and I know he leads them in a comeback that really, if they're facing any other team but the Giants on Monday night, doesn't come to be. And I know he's got injuries and receivers dropping like flies, but what is the reason for the Carson Wentz regression since two years ago he was an MVP candidate before getting hurt?
3: Yeah, not just 2 years ago. You can just go back to the start of the season, the first 6 weeks of the year, he was one of the best graded quarterbacks in all of football because, you know, as much as the Eagles weren't necessarily winning, he was putting the passes where they needed to go. There were multiple games earlier in the season where he put the ball in his receivers' hands in what should have been game-winning touchdowns um only to find them dropped. So, you know, it's a huge part of it is those receivers the they've run out of them. You know, they basically got nobody left at that point. That is a big factor at play in all this.
1: Josh McCown looking to come off the bench and play receiver. Right, exactly. Um,
3: But, you know, he's fumbling the ball. He's making bad decisions. He's just not playing well at the moment. So, yeah, he's always been something of an enigmatic quarterback because he's always been better at the hard stuff than the easy stuff. You know, his best years, he was crazily efficient on third down or on – you know, long-to-go plays, um, you know, making incredible throws on the really hard stuff and then just not quite maximizing his efficiency on the routine things. And, you know, when things have gone wrong, it's just magnifying it. He's still making or blowing all the routine plays, and now he's not making as many of the, of the tough plays that he needs to make. But, you know, I, I think we know that there's a better Carson Wentz in there, and hopefully getting some receivers would be a step in the right direction to help in that.
1: You know, down in New Orleans, there are a lot of fans frustrated now with somebody that we all drool over, I think, as fans, and that's the use of Taysom Hill. And fans in New Orleans now have pretty much had it with Sean Payton's play calls and taking Drew Brees off the field. Where do you line up over a PFF with Taysom Hill, and far as the effectiveness of that same offense, and whether he should really be on the field as much as he is taking Drew Brees off?
3: Yeah, I mean, anytime you're taking off one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, it's a tough sell um, because. You know, by definition, they're extremely efficient. When Drew Brees is on the field, he's one of the best passers out there, and he is extremely good. What you can't do, though, is quantify what teams having to prepare for a Taysom Hill package does, you know, to the course of the week and to to Drew Brees' efficiency. So you might actually end up being less efficient overall in those Taysom Hill plays, but how, what effect does that have because the team has had to blow a bunch of time during the week preparing for them and is therefore – you know, slightly less or slightly more undercooked when it comes to defending the regular offense and Drew Brees. Um, You know, I think there's a balance to be had. I think Taysom Hill is pretty good at a lot of the things they ask him to do, and as long as they don't go overboard with the package, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world.
1: One more i got to leave you with here, Sam, and this is Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. John Elway has taken a beating for his trying to get a quarterback to replace Peyton Manning year after year, and he took it at the beginning of the year, too, because Flacco, frankly, looked atrocious, you know what? Spent the second-round pick on Drew Locke, and Locke has looked the part the last couple weeks. I know that was patience that was needed behind a Drew Locke pick, but it might be somebody that's been developed here in Denver. Do you see a future as a starter in Denver for Drew Locke based on what you've seen?
3: I mean, based on what we've seen so far, definitely, but we're dealing with crazy small sample sizes. We're, dealing, we're talking about two games here, and you know the grades haven't been quite as good as the statistics because there's a couple of bad throws in there. You know, that didn't necessarily count in the box score that, that, uh, that we're giving him appropriate downgrades for. So I think we still have to wait and see a little bit, but you can definitely see a noticed improvement over what the offense looked like when Joe Flacco was there and what it looked like when Brandon Allen was there. Drew Lock does appear to have you know, the ability to, to make some tight window throws, to make some big plays, to just elevate the play of everybody around him. And, you know, the first couple of games from him, you've got to be hugely encouraged. We might finally have an answer in uh, Denver.
1: Yeah, Bronco fans can only be hoping for that. All right, Sam, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. Let our listeners know what they can get when they visit there.
3: Yeah, all kinds of uh, interesting content going up on the site this week. And obviously our uh, PFF Edge and Elite packages will get you a ton of data, a ton of gambling advice, a ton of fantasy advice, everything you need.
1: Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus analyst. You can follow him on Twitter, at PFF underscore Sam. Sam, thanks so much for joining the show.
3: Anytime. Thanks for having me.
1: Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, ahead of this Football Sunday as we are waking up uh, wherever you are, East Coast, Central Time Zone, waking up, looking ahead to what should be an interesting NFL Sunday. And, you know, it's funny, your Football Sunday will actually end with a weird matchup on Sunday Night Football, I think is the way to put it. The Chargers and Vikings were the original scheduled Sunday night game. They were flexed out in favor of the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, on a on a just strictly personal level, I'm going to watch this game, and I think seeing the Bills play in prime time on a Sunday night game, even though it's not at home, is pretty interesting. But as much as I think Mike Tomlin probably deserves coach of the year, is there a more unappealing, uninteresting team in contention right now than the Pittsburgh Steelers led by Duck Hodges at quarterback. And I by no means am trying to downgrade the Steelers and be disrespectful to their fan base because, hey, it's been an odd year and good for Mike Tomlin and good for that franchise after dumping Antonio Brown, dumping Le'Veon Bell, and losing Ben Roethlisberger in week one, and then having to deal with everything that was... Dealt with with that Brown Steelers game and then Mason Rudolph being terrible and you benching him. The fact that that team has had so much happen to them and that they are right there at eight and five in playoff contention is remarkable. All of that being said, the Titans will play the Texans. The loser will have six losses. The Bills will play the Steelers. If the Steelers lose, they will have six losses. So basically, The Colts have seven losses, the Raiders have seven losses, the Browns have seven losses. I think all those teams are pretty much washed at this point, barring a complete collapse. It's going to come down to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the loser of the division between the Texans and Titans for that final playoff spot in the AFC. I don't think I want, as a viewer with no dog in the fight that just wants to watch good football games wildcard weekend, I do not want to watch Duck Hodges and the Pittsburgh Steelers on Wild Card Weekend. I would much rather see Deshaun Watson and the Texans or Ryan Tannehill and the Titans playing on the road, even if that means going on the road versus the Titans or Texans, or going on the road and playing, dare I say, the Patriots or the Chiefs. To me, that is far more appealing than Duck Hodges going into Arrowhead Stadium to face the Chiefs or Duck Hodges then going to Houston or Tennessee. I find the Pittsburgh Steelers, as great a story as they are, entering this Sunday night game that, I get it, not the best weekend of slate of games for the NFL. I understand all of that. But Duck Hodges and the Steelers in the playoffs, yeah, they would have won their way in. They would have earned their way in. And Mike Tomlin probably deserves coach of the year if they do get in. Even if they don't, he might. But that is so unappealing to me. So unappealing to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers play with this third-string quarterback in a playoff game. and seems ultimately like a waste of a playoff spot where I think a Ryan Tannehill-Titan team that's been fun, Deshaun Watson and the Texans, is a team more likely, if you will, to pull an upset, more likely to really you know, be watchable in the playoffs. I think this Pittsburgh Steelers team is not a watchable team in the playoffs. Their defense might be great. That's going to be an ugly offense and just set football back. I'm good on seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs this year. So with that, go Buffalo Bills on Sunday night. All right, we reset the show with your phone scroller next. It's the Sean Morris Show on CBS Sports Radio.